0: Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Last week, we started off our discussion of resistance, a term that I got from Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. While there are parts of the book that aren't that ADHD-friendly, I do like the idea of resistance. Basically, resistance is what keeps us from doing our work. It's procrastination, rationalizations, comparisons, perfectionism, and everything else that keeps us from working all rolled into one idea. It's the embodiment of the, I don't want us. In part one of fighting resistance, I talked about some of the ways resistance keeps us from starting, how comparing ourselves to others slows us down, and what we crave and what we need don't always match up. Today, we're going to keep on exploring this idea of resistance. We'll be looking at ways we can work on overcoming resistance by planning, setting our intentions, and even calling in a little help. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash resistance part two. And that's the numeral two there. All right, keep on listening to find out what you can do to keep on fighting the good fight. Against resistance, that is. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Our first step in fighting resistance is acknowledging that it exists. Part of our problem in dealing with resistance is that resistance wants us to believe that it's just part of the process. As we talked about last week, resistance will rationalize anything we do. And we've got to be aware of these rationalizations if we want to fight resistance. This, of course, is a lot easier said than done. In my head, all those rationalizations make perfect sense. Of course it would be better if I started tomorrow. I'll be in a better headspace. Of course I need to do more research before I start on this. Of course it's okay if I eat just one cookie. What harm will it do? Well, I guess I can have a few more. I mean, I already had one. Our rationalizations feel rational at the time, yet we can look back on those decisions and know they weren't the right choice. Although, to be fair, we are often looking back on those choices with rose-colored glasses, which is why when we're presented with the same decision again in the future, We tell ourselves that, well, now the situation is different. Yesterday I put off starting because I was just being lazy, but today I didn't get enough sleep and I won't be able to focus. So yeah, starting tomorrow is the better choice. Last time I ate too many cookies because I didn't care about self-control. This time, I'm going to be able to control myself. When we believe we are free of resistance, we are at the greatest risk of succumbing to it. When we aren't aware that our rationalizations are just the whisperings of resistance, we're more likely to fall for those thoughts. When we're able to identify when we're going to be feeling resistance, we can start doing something about it. When we let ourselves ignore its influence, we are just going to be pulled along by the current. This means we need to have a clear plan about what we're going to do when we encounter resistance. And let's go over this one more time. We are going to experience resistance. That's step one, and I am repeating this because it has been one of the hardest lessons for me to internalize. It's that rationalization that this time is going to be different, that this time we're not going to let ourselves lose focus, that this time we're just going to sit down and do our work. And with ADHD, this is dangerous thinking. We pretend that we're learning from our mistakes, but we're just setting ourselves up to fail in the same way over and over again. It's beyond frustrating. It makes us feel like we're never going to be able to get it. We think we know what we need to do, but that we just can't figure out how to do it. And the truth of the matter is that things aren't going to be different this time. I'm still going to sit down at my desk and be tempted to play games instead. I'm still going to think of an idea that I want to do a little research on for just five minutes. And I'm still going to lose track of what I'm doing. For the last month, I've been repeating a pattern of telling myself that I'm going to work out while my kids are napping. And yet, every afternoon when they go down for quiet time, I find myself rationalizing that this is my free time and that I should do something fun with that time. That my workout space isn't cleaned up, so I'd have to put that stuff away first. That I'm too tired. And so I haven't followed through with those plans to work out. It's truly amazing how we convince ourselves that by changing nothing, that we are going to have different results. When we convince ourselves that we just weren't trying hard enough last time, that's just one more of resistance's tricks. Once we accept that we're going to be facing resistance, we can start developing strategies to help us mitigate that resistance. Our first step here is to define what it is we want to be doing. ADHD makes it easy to get distracted, and getting back to what you were doing is only going to be made more difficult if you don't know what that is. I know it seems like we should be able to just sit down and work on what we're supposed to be working on, but part of the reason it's easy to get distracted is that we often don't put any parameters on that. For example, let's look at what happens when I sit down to write. For a long time, I thought of writing as just one thing, putting text on a page. But that's only one piece of it, I typically break my writing into a few parts. First is a pre-write where I get all of my ideas down on the page. This can also include putting together a rough outline, and is also when I do most of my research. Once I finish the pre-write, I'll jump on the whole words on the page thing. After I finish my first draft, I then drop my script into a program called Grammarly and do all my editing there. And this seems like a lot of unnecessary steps for writing. Why do the pre-write, and why not start in Grammarly and edit as I go? Well, the advantage comes from the fact that I know what I'm specifically focusing on when I sit down to work. It's okay for me to wander off during pre-writing phase and do a little research if I'm not sure about a topic. I don't have to worry about grammar or creating a cohesive structure to the piece. Once I'm finished with the pre-write, I have everything I need to write my actual script. At this point, I'm not doing any more research, so I know that I'm off task if I pop open my web browser. And then by making edits its own section, I allow myself to just focus on writing. Editing then allows me to go back and make sure everything flows together, and I can fix all my grammar and spelling mistakes, and there's usually quite a few of those. Last week, when we talked about resistance, we discussed how one of the easiest ways to fight resistance is to make starting easier. Breaking down our tasks into their component parts is a great way to make starting easier. When we know what we need to do, we can set our intentions and get going. And setting our intentions doesn't just have to be something we do in our heads. If we're finding ourselves frequently getting pulled away, will probably be useful to write down those intentions that we want to be working on. I have several stacks of sticky notes on my desk just for this purpose. I'll write down what I want to be working on and stick it to my monitor, and I try to be a little obnoxious with it, not sticking it off to the side, but maybe cover up a little bit of the taskbar. Just something so that I can't completely ignore it. If I'm on task, it isn't a problem. I mean, it's not like I need my taskbar while I'm in a text editor. But if I'm off task and switching between different windows, that note will be in my way and catch my eye. And on this note, if you're frequently finding yourself getting off task, another way to help set your intentions is to also write out what you're not doing. If I'm writing these out, my list might include stuff like responding to email, checking my phone, opening up YouTube or Twitter, or even something like doing more research. While you're doing your work, you may find yourself wanting to look something up or needing to check your phone. Just keep a blank page next to yourself and write down these urges. Once you come to a break, you can go through your list. Of course, you may discover you're no longer curious if penguins are black with white feathers or white with black feathers. What's really mind-boggling to me about resistance is how it uses the same tricks on me over and over again. And I just keep falling for them. Just the other morning, I was thinking about why I ever make bad choices. I mean, I generally know what the things I'm supposed to be doing are. I know that if I want to be losing weight, having ice cream for lunch is not the solution. And yet, here I am. I know that if I regularly exercise, that it will have cascading benefits, from sleeping better to helping me manage my ADHD. I know that if I do my work early in the week, I won't feel the crunch over the weekend. I know all of these things. Sometimes I even know that they are the wrong choice while I'm doing them. I pop open the freezer, and I look at that ice cream, and the ice cream looks back at me, and I just go, yep. And part of this has come from resistance convincing me that I can't fight it, that making bad choices is inevitable. Because why should I fight something when I know I'm just going to eventually give in? And when I feel like this, it's because I don't have a plan in place. I don't have a clear goal. And I don't have a why behind the right choices. This is, again, about setting your intentions. When we don't have a good sense of why we're doing what we're doing, we're going to go down the easiest path. And here's the thing. Resistance makes making that plan harder. Because, uh, I don't want to sit down and write out what I want to be doing. Because then I might actually have to do it. and. Really, I just want to eat ice cream for lunch. Come on, can't you just give me that? Writing out our plans is hard. It can be uncomfortable because we're telling ourselves that we're going to be giving something up. But even after we start putting together our plans, resistance doesn't give up. It tells us we need to keep our goals secret. I mean, what if we screw up? What if we don't even last a week before we've broken down? Better to let ourselves surprise everyone with how great we are. I mean, who knows if we really even want to do this, right? And this is just resistance creating an easy out for us, because when we're keeping our goals secret, we don't have any accountability. The only person we have to worry about letting down is ourselves. And even then, we know that we'll rationalize why it didn't work out. We'll tell ourselves that the circumstances weren't right, that we had too many other things going on, or worse yet, we'll tell ourselves that we didn't really dedicate ourselves to the goal. And that is the worst rationalization, because it will let us try those same tactics over and over again. This is also about perfectionism. We're keeping our goals a secret because we want an out if we mess up. But we don't need to quit when we make a mistake. In fact, we are going to make a mistake. There is absolutely no question that mistakes will be made. And let's just think that little piece of logic through. We're going to set a goal, let's say exercising 15 minutes a day for a month, and then we tell ourselves we're not going to miss a day. That's the perfectionism. And then we don't tell anyone because we know we're going to make a mistake at some point. In our brains, we know that we should be able to find 15 minutes to exercise every day, so it doesn't feel like a goal we could mess up. But let's just think of a few ways that it could happen. I procrastinate all day and never get to it. I don't see any of my reminders and forget to do it. I'm sick and need to stay in bed. I'm busy with other stuff in my life. I've extra secretly made it a goal to actually exercise for 30 minutes, and I'm finding that to be way too much. Or maybe I just don't want to, and I justify it by saying that nobody knows about my goal anyways. So yeah, it's a goal that I feel like I should be able to do no problem, but it's entirely possible that I'll miss a day. So the question becomes, does missing a day mean I should quit? I mean, I didn't hit 30 days in a row, and I don't want to start over from day one. Listening to this, I imagine most people are falling on the side that quitting doesn't make sense here. That of course I should keep going that building the resilience of falling down but getting back up is more important than some arbitrary string of days. But here's the thing. Would you be telling yourself the same thing? Maybe, maybe not. And the key here is that it's easier to see these things from an outside perspective. Since it's tough to have an outside perspective on yourself, you're going to need to recruit some help. And the best way I can think to do this is through accountability. Accountability is a great way to fight resistance, and you can use it in a number of different ways. One of the perks of the ADHD Rewired Alumni Group that you can join after going through the Coaching and Accountability program is that you have access to Adult Study Hall. This is just a Zoom room that you can sign into to have someone else to work with. I do a majority of my writing in Adult Study Hall. Just the act of having someone else there, even though we're silent, is incredibly motivating to stay on task. Additionally, when you sign in, you're supposed to drop into the chat what you're planning on working on. This again circles back to that idea of stating your intentions before you start working on something. And accountability doesn't have to be in real time. Every week I meet with my accountability group and we talk through our intentions. What's great is that when I have to verbalize what I want to work on to other people, it makes me think through what I'm actually doing. Instead of vague plans, I state what I want to complete and when I want to complete it by. And if it's not clear, my team will ask me questions to help nail down what I'm actually doing. It's also important to note here that my accountability group isn't making me do any of these things. They are just there to support me. If I don't finish what I told them I wanted to complete, I don't have anyone telling me I should have done it differently. Instead, my group will check in on why I wasn't able to follow through and then help me find ways to approach the problem differently. And to be sure, accountability isn't a panacea from resistance. I still have goals and projects that I intend to do that'll slip through my fingers. The point is that you don't have to fight resistance alone, and things get a lot easier when you know someone's got your back. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. 1. Our first step in fighting resistance is accepting that we're always going to be facing resistance. Resistance wants us to believe it doesn't exist, because when we don't believe, we don't do anything to stop it. 2. Planning is a critical part of overcoming resistance. Without a plan, it is easy for us to get off track and not even realize it. 3. When we're creating our plan, it's also important to break down our tasks into their component parts so that we are able to clearly state our intentions when we start our work. And four, we don't have to fight resistance alone. By enlisting the help of our accountability buddies, we can get clear on our intentions and help strengthen our resilience in fighting resistance. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HackingYourADHD, or you can connect with me over at hackingyouradhd.com contact. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can go to the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com resistance part two. And again, that's just the numeral at the end there. If you're this far into the end of the show, you might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. I also do a live Q&A with Eric and Brendan every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to join us for the next one, just go to ADHDrewired.com events to register. It's been a pleasure, and until next time, stay curious.